Amen. Amen. Do you believe that he's a way maker and a miracle worker? Man, I hope you do because he sure is. You know, today would be that day that we would continue in our series of seven reasons why we can trust God. And and it's been a really a great series, honestly. It's been one of those series where we were able to look at, okay, you know, we talk about trusting God all the time, and we talk about what it, what it means to trust God, areas to trust God. But for a lot of us, there's that deep question of why. What is it about God that is trustworthy? What is it about God that makes him so dependable? So we've been spending many, many weeks now talking about why we can trust God. But today's the day we're going to shift gears a little bit. Today, in light of things that's going on in the world we're living in, in light of some things I've seen on Facebook and seen on the news, and even personal conversations that I've been having with folks, I just feel like today's the day that we need to shift away from the series for a week and talk about something I think is extremely important for us related to this issue. You know, as I watch the news and as I watch Facebook and as I think about all that's going on, I think there's this real question that everybody has. They may not say it out loud, but they have this question about, you know, how are we to respond in the face of this pandemic? How are we to respond with the pandemonium that is going on in the world we live in today? And honestly, I think that's a fair question. I think that's a question that everybody's asking, but I think what's important for is that believers ask the same question, you know, and we wanna make sure that our response is not the response that the world is offering, a response of panic and fear, but how are believers, how are we going to respond in the face of that? See, here's what I believe, and I want you to hear me, church. I believe if there was ever a time the church should be the church, it's right now. It's right now in the face of crisis, in the face of panic, in the face of fear that is just taking over our country. If there's ever time for the church to be the church, it is absolutely right now. So today I want to look at a passage of scripture. It's a passage that's extremely familiar, but in context, it may be the passage that best fits our situation than any other passage. So if you have your Bibles, or you can grab your smart device, or you can grab your phone, I want to read for you 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 11 through 14. And as we read this, I want us to come back with this question. How are we as believers to respond to the pandemonium with which we are living in? 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 11 says this, Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord, and the king's house, all that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his own house, he successfully accomplished. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. And when I shut up the heavens, so there was no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among the people in that moment, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Now, when you look at that passage, it's this beautiful picture that Solomon has just finished the temple. And there's this place where they wanted God to say, yes, I'm going to reside there. I'm going to come there. My presence is going to be in this place. And God tells Solomon, this place is, is my approval. I will meet and I will be here. This is the place where my presence will dwell. He said, but listen, I want you to tell my people, they're going to come moments in their life. They're going to come moments as a nation where they're going to experience famine. And if you know anything about the Old Testament, that happened all the time. There's going to come moments where they're going to experience famine. There's going to come moments where they're going to experience pestilence. 
There's gonna come moments where they experience disease. There's gonna come moments of crisis that's gonna happen to my nation. And Solomon, I want you to tell my people that in those moments of crisis, in those moments of famine, in those moments of pestilence, in those moments of disease, here's exactly how I want my people to respond. Now, I can't think of a better passage to come to this morning than this passage. Are we living in a season of disease and pestilence and famine? The answer is yes. You say, well, Doug, there's not, there's not famine. Well, have you been to the grocery store lately? Right? No toilet paper, no eggs, no, no milk. But greater famine is this, is the spiritual famine that we are seeing in our country. The, the famine where people are just freaking out over this. Are we seeing disease and pestilence? You better believe it. We are seeing a virus that's rocking our nation. So I can't think of a better passage than this one. A passage that I believe is God is saying to us, okay, church, in the face of crisis, here's how I want my people to respond. And he gives us four things, and you can look at them again. He says this, if my people who are called by my name, first of all, will humble themselves. That's a really interesting concept of, of humbling ourselves because when you think about this in the world we live in, and maybe even in the church, humility has probably not been the first response we've seen to this virus, is it? I mean, some responses we've seen obviously is panic and fear, right? People are panicked, people are fearful, people are just, they're just, they're just uncertain of what's gonna happen. And so we've seen that. But you know what we've also seen? We've also seen arrogance. We've seen people come out and act as though they know more than the CDC, or they have greater information that they're privy to than our national leaders. And so they have this arrogance of, you know, well, this is what should be done, as if they have the right way of handling this. But we also see people come out of this epidemic and with just straight apathy. You know, hey, just... We'll get through it. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Just suck it up. Don't, don't, don't take any precautions. Don't be safe. Don't focus on anybody else. Just, just don't worry about it. It's not that big of what? A deal. And so when we look at the world, and unfortunately, sometimes we look at the people in the church, the way we've responded is with panic, arrogance, and maybe even apathy. But here's what God says. I want my people who are called by my name, I want their first response be to humble themselves. That idea of humbling yourself literally means to bend one's knee. It means to place ourselves under the authority of someone else. Well, who are we to place ourselves under authority of? But God, right? We're to place ourselves under the authority of our creator. And if we're gonna do that, that means a couple of things. First of all, if we're gonna humble ourselves before God and place ourselves and say, Lord, I yield to you. I wanna trust you through this. That means a couple of things. First of all, it means we need to relinquish some things in our lives. That means we need to relinquish maybe our opinions about the situation, our thoughts about the situation, and maybe even our plans and rather pick up his plans. See, relinquishing our, our opinions, our thoughts, and our plans is saying this, Lord, I turn over everything I think, how I reason this out, and what my plan is, God, I, turn, I relinquish all that to you, and whether I pick up your plans. Now, I may not know what those plans are, but as we sang about a moment ago, I know you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Why? Because you never stop working. And I want us to think about that just for a moment. The relinquishing that is laying over our things and taking on his plans. But it's not only about relinquishing some things, it's also about handing some things over. 
If we're gonna humble ourselves, yes, we have to relinquish our thoughts, our opinions, our plans, and take up his, but it's also about handing some things over in our life. Well, Doug, what do we need to hand over? Here's what we need to hand over. Maybe there's some things that are paralyzing you spiritually today. Some things that are crippling you spiritually today. Maybe for many people that is fear. The fear of the unknown, right? You know what 1 John 4 tells us? That perfect love, what? Cast out fear. That for those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, for those that live for him, we've experienced the perfect love of God. And there is no room in our lives for fear. But yet many of us find ourselves in a place of fear. And maybe what we need to hand over are those fears. Maybe what we need to hand over is some anxieties. You know what anxiety is? Anxiety is that moment of what could happen. And it blows my mind that when you start following people and you're listening to people, whether it be the news or Facebook or maybe even your friends and church members, that people already begin to unroll this thing about what could happen. Well, can I tell you what could happen? If God decided to speak right now and heal this thing, he could do it. But most of us are just trying to roll this thing out going, what could happen? And, and you know, people that, that let anxieties take over them as it relates to this issue are the kind of people that see the glass always as half empty. They're the people that tend to be pessimists about it. And so maybe you're, maybe you're watching today and you're like, you know what, Doug, that's me today. I, you know, it's not fear, but man, there's some anxiety about me about what could have happened. What does this mean for me? What does this mean for my job? What does this mean for my family? What does this mean for my parents who are elderly? What does this mean for us? And we let anxiety take over. Maybe what we need to hand over is not just our fears or anxieties. Maybe it's just our uncertainties. I don't know about you, but here's what I know about me. I like to be in control. Anybody else like that? I like to know what's coming my way. I like to have a plan, a purpose, and I'm gonna be honest with you, I like things working out my way. But with this epidemic and with this virus, there's a lot of uncertainties. And for some of us, that can be paralyzing. Our fear, our anxieties, uncertainties can be paralyzing to us, but rather we need to hand those over to the Lord and say, Lord, I give you my fears, I give you my anxieties, I give you my uncertainties, and Lord, I choose, listen to me, Lord, I choose to trust you. I choose to trust you. See, here's what I know. We live in a world that's loaded with panic right now, right? Amen? We do. And maybe some of us are experiencing that same thing in our life. So maybe it's time for us to humble ourselves, to, to reposition ourselves under the authority of our creator and say, Lord, I relinquish to you my plans, my opinions, my thoughts, and I take up yours. And God, I hand over to you my fear, my anxieties, and my uncertainties. And I hand that over, I relinquish it all, and I hand it all over, but I also, Lord, I'm going to declare that I know that our God, that you, God, are in control, that you, God, are on your throne, that you, God, have a plan and a purpose, and you're working that out. And because of that, God, we choose to trust you. Maybe as the church, what we need to do first is to humble ourselves. And he says, not only humble yourselves, that if my people who are called by name will humble themselves and what? Pray, pray. That word pray in the Hebrew is the word palal, and it means to intervene or to intercede on the behalf of someone else. Listen, when he says pray, what he's saying is prayer is our window of opportunity. Prayer is our moment to cry out to a holy God. 
It's our moment to lay everything on our heart on the line and cry out to a holy God. It's our moment to make our request known. It's our moment to take our request to the throne room of God and to cry out to him in the best way that we can. That's what prayer is. Prayer is not some ritual that you say. Prayer is not some apathetic kind of words you give God. Prayer is crying out to creator God. So it's not just, hey, humble yourselves, put yourself second, and just kind of pray a little bit. No, no, it is a desperate crying out to Almighty God. And here's what I love about this. When we pray, guess what? God hears us, right? God hears us. Exodus chapter three, Israel in captivity, 400 years in bondage. 400 years, generation after generation after generation after generation in captivity. And in Exodus chapter three, it says, and the people of God begin to cry out to God and God heard the prayers of his people. Do you think God hears it when you pray? Do you think God hears it when we cry out to him? Do you think God hears it when the people of God not only humble themselves, but cry out in passionate way to him? Absolutely he does. So you might be asking, okay, Doug, what do I need to pray for? Well, let me tell you what to pray for. First of all, pray for our leaders, right? Listen to this passage. You don't have to turn there, but in 1 Timothy, it says this in chapter two, it won't be on the screen, but verse one uh, one through four says this. First of all, then, I urge that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions. Listen, who are we to be praying for, first of all? Pray for our leaders. Please hear me. Our leaders are privy to information that we are not. And our leaders are making decisions every minute of every day how to best protect this country. And we need to be praying for them. And not just praying that they would have the wisdom that they got in their their experiences in life, not wisdom that their cabinet may be giving the president, but wisdom that comes from the throne of God. That's what we wanna pray for, that our president and our state leaders, our national leaders and our local leaders are finding wisdom from God, the wisdom that can only come from him. That's how we're to pray, pray for them. Second of all, pray the way Jesus prayed. Do you remember Matthew chapter six, how Jesus prayed? He said, first of all, he prayed that his will, that God's will would be done on earth as what? As it is in heaven. He said, pray like this. That your will on earth will be done as your will is in heaven. And that's how we're to pray. Say, God, I know we don't know the plans. I don't know how this thing is gonna unfold. But God, we're praying that people would see that you're at work. And so at the end of the day, people through this whole situation will be drawn closer to you. We want your will done, God. But Jesus also prayed this in this, this Lord's Prayer. He prayed for God's provision. Give us this day our daily what? Bread. He prayed for God's provision for their lives. That's how we're to pray. Can I say this, the provision we need to be praying for is just physical provision. There are people that are without. And if this thing gets worse, there are gonna be more people without. And we need to pray that God will provide in a great way. But not only physical provision do we need to be praying for, we need to be praying for spiritual provision. That God would put in the, the lives of these people that are struggling and hurting and searching, people that understand and can clearly communicate the truth of the gospel. See, while we can meet physical needs maybe all day long, The greatest need in our country right now is a spiritual one. And we need to pray that God would provide not only physical needs, but spiritual needs. And then lastly, Jesus prayed this. He prayed that God's hand would guide us. Lead us not into what? Temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
He said, you need to pray that God's will be done. You need to pray for God's provision, but you need to pray that God's hand would guide us and guide those in charge. And I'm just telling you, we need to pray for our leaders, but we need to pray what Jesus prayed. God, your will be done. God, make your provisions known to us. And God, I pray that you would guide us, that you would guide the steps of our leaders, that you would guide the steps of our pastors, that you would guide the steps of those in leadership in churches all across this nation. God, that you would guide them. And then last of all, I think we need to pray this. We need to pray that through this moment, through this epidemic, that people would be drawn to Jesus. Right? Amen? I'm just gonna tell you, listen, we might find an antidote to this virus. But there are still people that are on the brink and the edge of spending an eternity apart from Christ. And the only antidote to that is a personal relationship with Christ. And one thing we need to desperately be praying is that through this, that God would show himself in such a powerful way that those who are questioning, those who are doubting, or those who don't believe, that he might open their eyes and that they might be drawn to him. Jesus said this way, when the Son of Man is lifted up, he will draw all men into himself, right? It's time for us to do that. Third thing he says here is, if my people who are called by name will humble themselves and pray, and thirdly, and seek my face. This idea of seeking his face is literally the idea of pursuing him. That we are not just, it's not like God's playing hide and seek with us. Like, you know, Jeremiah says that when we seek him with all of our heart, we will find him. So it's not a cat and mouse game. It's this idea of believers who are desperately humbling themselves, who are desperately praying, are now desperately seeking him. We are now desperately pursuing him. Now, Doug, what are we supposed to be pursuing? Well, let me give you a couple things. We're going to pursue a deeper intimacy with him. If there's ever a moment for a believer to really pursue God in a way that we want to grow deeper in our relationship with him, it's right now. Because there's so many Christians that are so caught up in the world and so caught up in fear and so caught up in panic that we are literally just kind of walking away from the truth of what we know. I said it last Sunday, I want to say it again. The truth of who he is should always trump the emotions that we feel. And right now the emotion we feel is panic and fear. But what is the truth? He's God. He's sovereign. He is on his throne. He holds everything in the palm of his hands. And we need to trust that. So in these moments, if we're gonna seek his face, it's all about seeking him means we're gonna pursue intimacy with him, pursue deepening our relationship with the Lord. It also means pursuing his wisdom. If there's ever been a moment in your life as a believer that you've asked this question, maybe now's the time you've asked it, maybe more than any other moment, is this. It's the same question that religious leaders ask Jesus, and it's this question. Who is my neighbor? Right? See, right now the world says this. Everybody fend for yourself. Everybody take care of me, myself, and I, right? That's the world we're living in. Fend for yourself. And I think as believers, the question we need to be asking is who is our neighbor? Jesus says that we're first to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And second, the greatest commandment is that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Who is your neighbor? If you read it biblically, it's this. Our neighbor is everybody. Say that with me. Everybody. Everybody. Everybody we come in contact with. That we would seek the wisdom of God to remind us who our neighbor is. Even the people, even the people who are unlovable. 
And you say, well, Doug, there's a lot of them. Well, you may be that person. I don't know. But even the unlovables, even the, ha- I mean, it doesn't matter who they are. They are neighbors. So why do we pray for wisdom? Here's why. We pray for wisdom so that God would give us the discernment to see the opportunities where we can serve people, but also the opportunities where we can share the gospel with people. People are looking for answers, and the answer can be found in the person and the finished work of Jesus Christ. And we need to make sure, we need to make sure that we are pursuing him, yes, to grow in our intimacy, but also to grow in the wisdom of God, that we might have the discernment to see opportunities to serve and to see opportunities to share the gospel. Another reason we're to pursue him is to pursue his heart. We sing the song, break my heart, God, for what breaks yours. See, when we come to this place through this epidemic and this pandemic, whatever you're gonna call it, when we come to this place, I think there should be a part of us as we seek his face, say, Lord, help me see people the way you see people. Help me feel the compassion that you feel. God, may what matters to you matter deeply to me. I'm just telling you, if there was ever a moment the church needs to stand up, it's now. And it happens by humbling ourselves, praying, and also by seeking his face. And then one more thing he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. The idea of turning from your wicked ways is this. It just simply means this, repent. You say, well, Doug, that kind of seems odd in the passage. No, it's perfect in the passage. Because as believers, as we humble ourselves, as we pray, as we seek his face, guess what happens? When we begin to seek the face of God, God begins to expose the wickedness of our own heart. And we need to make sure that our hearts are in check with God, that our hearts are in the right place with God. So he says, repent. Turn from your wickedness. In other words, turn from your rebellion. Turn from your selfishness. Turn from your apathy. Turn from your lack of urgency. Turn from your lack of compassion. Turn from all those things and begin to turn back toward God. Do you think in Israel's history there was ever a moment that they rebelled against the loving God? Maybe more moments they rebelled than moments that they obeyed, right? Do you think there was ever a moment that Israel gave God this idea that they were apathetic toward his things? Maybe more of those moments than moments they actually cared. He says, listen, if you want to see something amazing happen, listen, it starts with my people humbling themselves, relinquishing, handing things over, praying, crying out to me, seeking my face, and then turning from the wicked ways. It's important for us to get our hearts in check with God. Now, when you look at this passage, it's almost as if God is telling Israel, this truth. You want to see me do something great? Yes. It starts with you. Think about that. You want to see me do a miracle when you go through famine and you go through pestilence and you go through disease, when all this stuff comes to as a nation? Do you want to see me do something great and marvelous and miraculous? And I'm sure all of Israel would have said, yes, God. Great. It starts with you. It starts with my people. Let me just ask us all a question. For those that are watching and those that are even present this morning, let me ask you this question. Do we want to see God do a miracle in, the, in, the, in America right now? You better believe we do. Do we want to see God do such a miracle that, act, that absolutely that revival might break out in the hearts of believers and that thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people whose eyes would be open and would come to faith in Christ? Do we want to see that? Yes, we do. But it starts 
with us, right? See, that's where it gets really personal, right? God, I want you to act. He's like, I will. But you need to do your part too. You need to do your part. Now, here's the promise. I hope you didn't miss the promise in the passage. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Meaning, then he hears us. And then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin. Meaning, I will pardon, I will cancel their debt, and I will restore the relationship. And here's the last promise. I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their what? Land. Don't we all want God to heal our land? Sure we do. But there's a contingency. Let's go back to chapter 7, verse 14. It says this, if. You see that? See, typically we read it without the if. If. There's a contingency. We've got to do our part too. If we want to see God move in a powerful way, the people of God need to be humbling themselves, praying, seeking, and turning from our wicked ways. Now, here's what I know about all of us that are watching and all of us in the room this morning, including this guy. Too many times we're really good at talk. We are really good at saying, God, we want something. But here's the question. How desperate are we to do the things that he's called us to do? We talk really good, but we don't do anything God's word tells us to do. Well, that's not desperation. In fact, I believe that our response to this passage is a direct reflection of our level of desperation. Let me say that again. I believe our response to this passage is a direct reflection of our level of desperation. And so if we desperately want God to intervene, we will do the things that God has told us to do. And if not, we won't. So maybe today you're watching this from home and and, you, and you're that person that maybe you don't have a, a personal relationship with Christ. And there's a moment in you with all that's going on around you, you feel a bit hopeless this morning. I'm gonna ask you to do the very things that God told us people to do. I'm gonna ask you, first of all, to humble yourself. I'm gonna ask you to recognize that you can't save yourself and there's something inside of you missing. And I'm gonna ask you to yield your life and surrender your life to Christ. Well, Doug, how do I do that? Well, you do it by praying, as he says. Pray and acknowledge that God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to down a cross for you, that you might have the hope of eternal life. And then you might seek his face, say, Lord, I don't wanna just know that, I want a relationship with you. But last of all, turn from your wicked ways, that you would say, Lord, I wanna turn from my sin and ask you to come to my life and to save me, to change me and make me yours. And if you're watching this, Maybe, maybe, you just, maybe you just were thumbing through Facebook and you caught this and you watched it, but God has been speaking to you. If you've never trusted Christ, would you do those four things? Would you surrender your life? Would you pray and declare who he is? Would you say, Lord, I want a relationship with you and I turn from my sins and would you be the boss and the master of my life? But for those of us watching, those that are here this morning that are followers of Christ, I wanna challenge us and I wanna invite us to do the very things that God told Israel to do, that we first would humble ourselves that we would be intentional about handing over our fears, our uncertainties, our doubts, our concerns, hand those over to the Lord, that we would pray and we would cry out, cry out for our leaders, cry out for those that are hurting, cry out that God would make himself known in such a powerful way that people would be drawn to him and that we would seek his face. That we would seek his face so that we might have wisdom and we might see opportunities where we can serve people or even opportunities to share the gospel. 
and that we too might make sure our heart is in check with Almighty God. Now here's what I want us to do this morning. I'm gonna pray for us, and after I'm done praying, I'm gonna give us a couple announcements. So don't, so don't say amen, don't click it off and be done with the stream. I want you to stay with me for a minute. There's a couple things I wanna give you as a way of announcement, but before I pray, I just wanna say this. After this stream is over and it all shuts down, if you trusted Christ this morning, if you said yes to him, we wanna connect with you. We wanna know that you made that decision so we can celebrate that with you. And I'll tell you a little bit in a minute how to do that. But if you're a believer today and you really are serious and desperate about wanting God to do a great thing in our country and you're willing to do these things, here's what I want you to do. Don't just shut the stream off and be done with it and go about life as normal. I want you to take some real moments in your home, real moments with the friends that you've gathered with, real moments, maybe you're just all by yourself. And take some real moments and truly humble yourself. Truly take a moment and pray and, and ask God to intervene and to seek his face and to make sure your heart, that there's no sin in your camp and your heart's right with God. In fact, the few of us that are here this morning, when we're done today, we're gonna do this very same thing. So I'm asking you, don't just turn the stream off. Take some moments and do these things. So let me pray for us, and then let me give you some announcements. God, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for this passage. If there was ever a passage that is so perfect for the context we are living in, it's this passage. And God, I pray for those that are watching that are believers, that we would be reminded that, yes, we want you to do something great in our country, but we play a part in that, Lord, that the people of God need to be faithful to God, and we need to humble ourselves and turn over our fears and our anxieties and our uncertainties, that we need to pray and cry out to you, maybe like never before, and we need to seek you and pursue you, and that we need to make sure there's no sin in our camp, Lord. I pray as believers we would take some real moments here, and we would do that. And they got to pray for those that maybe just said yes to you a while ago, Lord. But you let them know that from this day forward that they are in team Jesus from now on. That they have moved from death to life, from darkness to light. That their life didn't just change, but their eternity changed when they said yes to Christ. So, Lord, may we be able to connect with them. God, bless us. Bless these, those that are watching. Bless the homes that have gathered. Bless us, Lord. And may we stay faithful to you. For it's in your precious in your Holy Son's name we pray. Everybody said amen.